There has never been a better time than now to come join the Belicio Foods team. Belicio has a new contract in place with plenty of awesome perks for their employees. From increased wages, access to the free health clinic, vacation after six months, and much more, Belicio Foods is committed to putting their employees first. For more information or to apply, visit BelicioFoods.com careers. Take advantage of these great new employee benefits and join the Belicio team today. Visit BelicioFoods.com careers to learn more. Well, happy Friday, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Morning Show right here on Main Street TV. Welcome. And we have a special guest this morning, and we're going to get to her in just a second. But <laughs> welcome. Welcome. Thank yeah. You. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we're going to talk about some really, really fun stuff. But first, we want to thank um, our good friend, Red Thompson Jr., because there was a really exciting night down in Oak Hill, and we were talking about this. Um, the Lady Oaks had quite a night. They won 69-33 versus Eastern, but really, really cool stuff. Senior Bailey Howe sunk, are you ready for this, 10 three-pointers, uh, breaking the school's record <clears throat> and tying for the, are you ready for this, sixth most, sixth most three-point shots in a single game in Ohio. That's amazing. I don't even know how that's possible. I don't know either. We were talking <laughs> off the air. We're like, we could try to shoot three-pointers for a year and not make <laughs> No, not never. Make <laughs> and she did it in a game. Uh, you can watch the game on Oak Hill Union School's um, YouTube channel. But the cool thing is, and thanks to Red Thompson Jr., we have a little interview. So we're going to head to that first, and then we're going to get back with our guest, Jenna, and we're going to talk um, some really cool stuff. So we'll be right back. Uh, Bailey, uh, what a senior night. Yeah. 30 points and yeah. the school record. Yeah. Excited about it. Did you just, when did you know you was in the groove? Yeah, I was in the groove when I came out the first quarter and I hit those four threes. I got a little shaky in the second and third quarter, but I came back in the fourth and started hitting them again. Oh, wow. Yep. And you've had a lot of exciting times at Oak Hill High School. What is this rank? Yep. Uh, <laughs> last year during the Eastern game, I tied the school record with eight threes. Very same game. And then this this year, I got beat in my senior season. So. Coach, what a night for uh, Bailey and the seniors. Yeah, the kids played real well. They come out and focus. They, they uh, on task and they did what they needed to do. Then they come out. We talk about coming out in the second half and staying motivated, executing, be patient with the ball. And the kids played really well. I'm really happy for them tonight. The uh, Bailey, uh, okay, and what's your goals for the rest of the season? Well, thanks, Red. That was so exciting. Congratulations once again to the Oak Hill Lady Oaks and Bailey for that feat. That's amazing. It really is. I mean, she's probably got a bright future ahead of her. I would say she probably does. <laughs> I've always said I don't know what's in the water down there in Oak Hill, but they have just such incredible basketball talent, and they always have. So lots of good stuff going on down there. All right. So want to welcome our guest, Jenna Ashland, to the show. Thank you. 
I'm glad to be here. Well, we're so happy to have you here, and you have some super exciting stuff to talk about today, um, because you just released a second book? Yes, I just released my second book on Monday. So we're going to talk about that here in a minute. But first, uh, before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about yourself and just like, um, you know, where you're from so people get to know you a little bit. Well, I grew up in Thurman on a tiny little farm on a little road that nobody's ever heard of. Aww. <laughs> so I went to um, Gallia County local schools and graduated from River Valley. But I spent most of my summers and a lot of my time up here in Jackson. So, and I had my first job, well, one of my first jobs up here, not my first one, but real close to that. Up here, I actually worked at Walmart um, in the original building. This building? This building. Long time ago. It looks a little different now, doesn't it? Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't It wasn't that pretty before, you know? Yeah, right. It was Walmart, so... Right, of course. <laughs> How funny. So, yeah, I've been kind of back and forth between the Gallia and Jackson County for most of my life. So, I've always been here. So. Well, very good. And, you know, you think we talk so much about like local people doing such amazing things. And, you know, just because you're from Appalachia doesn't mean that, that you aren't talented and that you don't have a gift and, and whatever. So, what made you, like in, in high school and grade school, were you always writing or was this something that came later? I was always writing. I think I annoyed everyone because I was <laughs> always writing. <laughs> and my, I don't think uh, my English teacher in junior high appreciated me very much because I used to sit in the back of the class, read magazines, and she would think that I wasn't paying attention. And then I'd look up the up at the board or she'd call on me randomly and I would have the answer. And then she'd write something up there. And I'm like, you need to put a comma there and you need to, you must spell that, you know? <laughs> so I was a little weird. <laughs> no, that's good. No, that's amazing. So it just kind of, did it come to you naturally or were you always studying with that? I think kind of both. Um, sure. whenever I remember whenever my brother read to me, whenever I was little, I was really inspired by that. And, you know, it wasn't just, oh, I'm enjoying hearing this book. It was, wow, I want to be able to do that. So before I could really read on my own, I wanted to write. And so that's what I always did. And whenever I was in third grade, um, the teacher would sit and, and read after recess, you know, out of a book and it came to the point there for a while she was reading some of the stuff that I was writing because I was writing short stories and stuff. Oh wow, even that young. Yes, I was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> That's not crazy. That's amazing. Good for you. So, um I mean to be able to have a book published, you know, it's one thing to we all have like our little poetry books or right. whatever journals or whatever, but to go from that to having books published is a whole, yes, it is different uh, thing. Yeah, um, I had worked on several things, and then they would either get lost or destroyed. And I had some poems published whenever I was in um, high school. I did the post secondary option program. Yeah. Now they call it um, College Credit Plus, I believe. And so I was actually hanging out with all the English professors rather than like really experiencing college in the same way that everybody else did. And I just really focused hard on writing at that point. And I started having poems and stuff published and, and it was really exciting. 
And I started writing a little bit, but for the most part, I was really focused on poetry. And then I got out of college, got married and had kids. And and then, you know, it was a while, you know, (laughs) before I really did anything. Because, you know, life happens. Yeah, life does happen. But in the back of your mind, you're still thinking, I I need to write stuff. Yeah, I kept trying different things that were like easier for me, just because they were less time consuming and not as involved. I did photography for a while. And I think about 10 or 11 years ago, I actually had a gallery exhibit at at the Marquet. Oh, that's so cool. So that was that was a really exciting experience. And then um, I actually ended up not doing a whole lot of photography anymore other than like, you know, just portrait sessions for people. Um, Because I had a tragedy happen. And that tragedy eventually led me back to writing. And and that's where Within the Gray was born. Well, very good. And so Within the Gray was your first published book. Yes, this this one here. So let's talk about that for a minute. So um, I had a horrible tragedy whenever I was 30 years old. Okay. And um, my husband died of a heart attack in the, in the cath lab at St. Mary's. Oh, and no. it was horribly tragic. And um, I didn't really have a lot of time to mourn because, like, some bad things started happening. And eventually I started writing because that was the only way that I could really remember him and kind of cope with the trauma. And so Makes I started sense. writing within the gray. And it was... I was going through a whole lot of other stuff, which actually led to Sheila's men. But within the gray is how it should have went and, like, the decisions I should have made and, like, the people that I should have had around me. I gotcha. So better choices, maybe. Yes. (laughs) A little bit better. Yeah. (laughs) So when was that actually released? So it was released in October of 2020. Oh, great. During, you know, the pandemic and all that. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's good because there were plenty of people that had time to read, right? <laughs> right, exactly. And um, for my first book, I actually went through a hybrid publisher. That's the nice way of saying a vanity publisher. And But I was okay with that and I knew what I was doing because, you know, I, I kind of knew Sheila's Men was already starting. And with Within the Gray, it was kind of I wanted to move on, but I also wanted to learn from the publishing process and and just kind of educate myself on how right. the whole process works and what it's like to work with professional editors and designers and formatters. And like I learned I learned more in that period of time than what I did in two years at Marshall. So <laughs> it makes sense. I mean, real life, let's just be honest, you learn, you know, stuff in school, but real life situations get you where you are today. Exactly. So it was a great learning experience and I don't regret that choice at all. But whenever um, Sheila's Men was finished, I was really, really blessed because it got accepted by a traditional publisher, which means they invested in me and I didn't have to pay anything. And I was kind of in complete shock, honestly. Wow. So let's, okay, so that's interesting. So let's go back to the Within the Gray, and you said that that was like a hybrid publisher, but how do you even go about, so I have this paper here, and I have a book, and and I like it, and then what do you do with it? How does that whole process start? Well, you have to edit it yourself, 
Okay. And I had to read through it and, and make some changes. There were some, I had changed a lot and grown a lot as a person as I was writing within the gray because I had started it, believe it or not, writing emails to myself because I didn't have Microsoft Word and I didn't have a reliable laptop. <laughs> so, and I didn't have a lot of time because I have three kids and I had a full-time job and I was working 60 hours a week. So okay. I literally wrote it in emails to myself. So I got on Google, got into my Gmail and wrote a message to myself and started writing. And then I just kind of saved that. And then I would read like the previous message and then I would go down and reply. So I'm replying to myself over and over and over again. And uh, yeah, <laughs> that's a story in itself. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> it was a little bit crazy. Um, but after that, you kind of, I managed to, I, I, you put it on Wattpad for a while and it actually started winning awards. It won, um, before it was released, it had won um, a, an award for best character and best in women's fiction. Whoa. And um, I had submitted like the first five pages to um, the Stargill National Pageant Competition. Mm -hmm. And it was like very talent focused. So I'm like, well, okay, there's a writing section. So I was just starting to write the book. So I just kind of threw together what I had and it won best overall nationally. Whoa. So good for you before it even hit a publisher's desk, it had already won three awards. And I'm like, okay, there's something <laughs> special about this. <laughs> I'm like, okay, maybe I have something here. So, yeah. um, I had to research how to write a query letter and that's like this, um, <sighs> advertising blurb mess that you have to write. And they're the hardest things in the world to write. They really are. Because it's so hard once you've written like 300 pages to put it into one teeny tiny little paragraph that's interesting enough to get somebody's attention. Okay. And then um, sometimes it's even hard to get like a hybrid publisher's attention because they're running a business and they want your work so they can charge you and make money. But... Um, <laughs> But still, they want a good product because sure. they want something that they can invest in that they can put their name on. Yeah. So, so figuring out how to write that letter, and I think that I probably sent out 25 to 30 um, different ones before somebody picked it up. Wow. And so in the hybrid, so you're with your first book, that mm -hmm. is like you're kind of on your own. Like you're you're yeah. paying for things up front yourself. And believing in yourself, and that could be hard, too. Yeah, but that money goes to hire professional editors. And I was having, like, meetings about once a week. Okay. Um, and they'd say, okay, so conceptually, all of this looks good except for this and this, which was actually very minimal, and I was very happy about that. They That's said good. that there wasn't a whole lot of editing that needed to be done. And then the line edits, there's poetry in, in the first book. And I remember, I'm like, don't touch the poems yeah, don't, don't touch my poem <laughs> yeah I was kind of upset about that and I, and they said well she has a master's and I'm like I don't care <laughs> don't these are it. my poems <laughs> don't just don't well I feel like poetry and then that's two different things because poetry yeah. is like deep man like really like from the heart and you, it's your unique style yeah and there's different rhythms and things like that that are involved in poetry and you just and if you misspell a word on purpose to make it work with, like, the other words, 
and make it sound a little different. You did it on purpose and it needs to be left alone. Yes. Yeah. I gotcha. (laughs) So when you, when you're going back and forth with the editors and things like that, I mean, can you say, I, I understand what you're saying, but no, um, with a hybrid publisher. I mean, well, they were really nice to me whenever I did traditional publishing too, because they valued the story. But, um, I mean, yeah, you do have veto power. Okay. That's good. Yeah. (laughs) Like you said, I mean, there's some things that, you know, you mean this and and you want to get this across and it might not mean as much to someone else, but it's important to you. Yeah. I think one of the funniest things, um, within, when it came to within the gray is that, um, they corrected my spelling on bass, like a bass guitar. And they wanted to spell it B-A-S-E. And anybody that's musical knows that it's spelled B-A-S-S. Yes. Yes. So that was a fun conversation, <laughs> right? <laughs> so a lot of things like that happened. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's bizarre. I know. So I may be from Appalachia, but I do know how to spell base. Right. Yes. <clears throat> That's right. Should ask uh what's that girl's name that sang all about the base? <laughs> oh, oh, Megan Trainer. Megan Trainer. Ask her. <laughs> She'll tell you. I thought I thought you were gonna say we should ask those kids that were here talking about fishing earlier in the week. We could ask them too. Yeah, they know how to spell it. They pronounce it different. They yes, that would be bass. <laughs> we have the Oak Hill bass fishing team. Oh on. my! Did you yes. know that was a thing? No, I didn't either. It's so cool, and they actually won the state championship not too long ago, a few years ago. Well, you know, to have like to be able to compete in something that you love—that's awesome. I know. That's what we were discussing, and the fact that um, that. Um, you know, there's just so much more opportunity for kids now, whether it be the audiovisual or the, you know, media clubs and all that stuff now. That, like, we just didn't have, like, a lot of that fun stuff when we were <laughs> growing up. I mean, I, certain, I certainly didn't. I mean, I had to go to college two years early and hang out with the English professors to get anywhere at all. Right. So, so there you go. <laughs> I had to be that girl. <laughs> well, cool. So uh, Within the Gray, first book, how does one uh, get that book if they were are interested in purchasing it um you can get it anywhere um you can order it from you know your regular traditional brick and mortar stores okay the easiest way of course is always amazon for anything okay but you can order it anywhere okay or even the local libraries i'm sure could probably get it in for you if you they should be able to yeah so very good. And that is a story. Could you just give us a like a little synopsis about I know it came from based on your your tragedy. Yes, it did. I'll just read the back of it because that's sure. much easier than yeah. trying to remember. Um, life as she knew it was over, or so she thought. Full of delicate strength, Tara, a young widowed mother, endures a psychological journey and a series of dreams that leave scars on her heart as well as her mind. Through her struggles, she discovers it's not easy to live when faced with rumors of a deceased husband's betrayal and a friend's aggressive advances. As more traumatic events unfold, life seems hopeless until a new friend steps in. Will she finally accept her loss and be able to trust again? After all, her husband's journey was over, but as a young widow, hers had just begun. What will Tara discover? What will you discover within the gray? Love that. Now I'm all inspired to read. So thank you for that. All right. So let's move on to Sheila's men. And um, 
I guess I want you to explain it so I don't mess it up because it, it kind of is based on some truth, but it is a fictional story. Yes, it is kind of complicated. You know those movies that you watch and they're at the end of it, they're like based on a true story. Yes. So the book's like that. Okay. Yeah. So like it's not 100% true. There's some metaphors and some po- composite characters and what that means because that's like an editorial word that people just don't know. Yeah, I don't know what that means. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't either there for a while. <laughs> Until, like, I had editors, and they're like, oh, you can do this, and it still counts. And I'm like, right. Um, A composite character is um, the daughter in the book, who is actually Tara. (laughs) So this, Sheila's Men is actually technically a prequel to Within the Gray. But you can read them in either direction. It doesn't really matter. So they're connected. I actually took the mother out of Within the Gray because I just really loved her. And she was, like, completely fictional in a combination of a couple people. But I, I, she just really grew on me. And so I put her over here. I um, see. Okay. So you get to see Tara from this book grow up in this one. Okay. And she's actually a composite character of all three of my kids. Because I have a set of boy-girl twins that are turning 18 next month. <gasps> oh, my goodness. How exciting and scary and sad all at the same time. Yes. It's quite a mix. I'm yes. very distracted right now, so it's working out okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then I have a 15-year-old daughter as well. Okay. So at different points in the book, it's based on different ones of them. Like um, the little girl is obviously my youngest. And as she grows up, because this book covers about 10 years, oh, you know, okay. it kind of turns into some of the things that happened to my son as far as like some mental health issues that he had. And then um, and then it turns to my oldest daughter, who was very reluctant about me getting into relationships and was just kind of, she turns into this, she's this very sassy, my oldest daughter is very sassy. And she's like, you don't need to be, you don't need to be in no relationship. I don't want another stepdad. And she still holds to that. And it's very sad, but it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> and um, our I got her a dog for her 16th birthday, and it was really cool and, like, one of the sweetest scenes. And I actually cried writing it, you know, just going to pick up a dog because it was so monumental in the book. And it was so monumental in real life, and it was just really sweet. Well, very good. So this actually – okay, so it's a prequel to The Within the Gray. So tell us a little bit about what Sheila's men – is about, and then we'll get to kind of then what you're hoping that people take from it. Okay. All right. So Sheila's Men is not an easy book to read at all. It, I'll read a little bit on the back of it um, just to kind of give you an idea. There and it then is. I'll explain kind of how the two books go together. Yeah, please. Because there's a whole story there too. There's like stories upon stories upon stories. That's good. Yeah, I'm a writer. That's what I do, I guess. (laughs) Um, Sheila's Men is a dark, modern fairy tale that follows the life of Sheila, a naive romantic living in poverty who blindly marries a man in the hopes of providing a better life for herself and her daughter. Soon after marrying, her husband increasingly subjects her to emotional, physical, and sexual abuse. 
And since he refuses to get a job, Sheila begins working long hours far from home and encounters a seemingly endless onslaught from other manipulative and abusive men. Growing increasingly overworked, distanced from her beloved daughter, and frustrated with the manipulative and abusive men inside and outside her home, Sheila prepares to end her life. If there is a Prince Charming out there who can convince her of her worth, he needs to help her believe in herself soon, based on a true story. There you go. So, yeah. Well, that's um, that's amazing. And... um. You know, there are so many women out there actually living that life. Yes, and they men. Are. Let's just be honest. Absolutely. And I talk about nobody that Nobody wants lot. to talk about that, but uh, I think it's a shame that they don't because I think that they need more support than women do because there's so much shame um whenever things like that happen to men and you know, people kind of say, "Well, you know, if you were able to do it, then it wasn't assault or it wasn't forced. Um, and the same with like domestic violence, because, you know, a girl can start hitting a guy and they're trained and taught to not ever hit a woman back, but they sure. should be able to defend themselves if it's like a really bad situation. Sure. But as far as like men being sexually assaulted, you know, it's very shaming because, you know, they do have a biological response, but that biological response doesn't mean that they're willing. Yep. And that's something that people need to to realize. And another thing that I found out in advocacy training, because I, I did go to Athens and, and train with the SAOP to, to be able to help as an advocate. Okay. One of the things that I learned is that a lot of the times men will assault other men. And did you realize that most of the time they're not gay. They're not homosexuals. They're straight men that are violating other straight men in most situations. And what, why would that be? You know, I'm not really sure. Um, I think that they discussed it a little bit and had some ideas, but that's not something that I really remember. But I do remember that there's this stigma of it meaning that they're homosexual homosexuals and things like that. Sure. Not that there's anything wrong with that at all, but in older generations, that was a real problem. And, you know, so you have all this stigma build up and men are taught not to express themselves and to not, sure. there's just too much shame. And I think it's just really sad because most of them don't get the help that they need either. You know, and it is, and that's a whole other, you know, path we could go down sometime. If you we really could. Wanted but... to come back and talk about just the psychological aspects of of abuse and and you know that kind of stuff. Um, so, what are you say? This is a very hard book to read. Yes, and, and because it's making you feel all the feels, I assume. Yes, I wrote it in such a way that it is first person perspective. So it's I, not he or she. And so I take you through it in, I don't get like overly descriptive on like the sexual assault scenes. I kind of take you there and then I say, thank God for autopilot because autopilot is kind of one of those things where you block out your mind and you just kind of go away and things happen to you and you're not really a part of it. You kind of separate yourself. I can't remember the psychological term for it right now. Um, 
but it's like a very real psychological thing. It's just part of your response. So I kind of cut it off there. But in the book, you'll see a lot of instances of that. And I kind of put in the thought process of what the victim survivor is feeling at that time, what they're thinking, how they feel, what they're wishing for, what they're hoping for. And that's why it's kind of rough. But one of the things I really want to talk about, yeah, I've talked to um, quite a few psychologists and, and mental health professionals. I think it's sad because most people are so afraid of being triggered. And while I completely understand that, one of the things that I know that I did to kind of heal and be able to move on is I allowed that to happen. I allowed when I've I would get triggered about something. I would start journaling and I would allow myself to feel those emotions because if you allow yourself to feel them, then you can work through them. And if you're going to therapy, you're doing good to get there once or twice a month, right? Mm -hmm. If you're going once a week, you're really lucky, but you could be having a good day on those days. Right. So, you know, this book um, is great for someone who wants to know what it's like who has those questions, well, why didn't they just leave? Or who they have a friend or family member. Because everyone knows someone who has been through this. Mm -hmm. And this is a good way to help understand them. And if you have any kind of trauma in your life and you read this or you're watching a movie or you get triggered in some way, it's a really good exercise to journal it out. And then whenever you're not in that emotional turmoil anymore, kind of go back and read what you wrote and start to try to understand yourself. You'll start to see patterns. You can ask yourself why, and that's a great tool to take to your therapist as well. Oh, that sounds fantastic. You know, it is interesting, and this I think this parallels. Like, <laughs> I think about when I was in college, and, and I go back and, like, you know, you're looking through your stuff at your mom's house or whatever, and you find, like, old papers and whatever, and you're like, where did that come from? Like you're reading back and you're like, where was I at in my life right now? Then where? Yeah. And I think that that's, it's almost like a journal, but, but it's so fun to go back and, and not even fun necessarily uh, per se, like it brings you enjoyment, but like fun to like go back and think about those things and like how you were feeling at that time and how you got to that place. So hey, hey, yeah. Jen, can I yeah. interrupt you and just tell you something I saw that kind of pertains to what you said that I thought might be interesting sure. to some people. There's uh, an article in the Athens messenger. It's uh, a family found 40 years of letters basically between their parents, <gasps> like all the love letters and things like that. And they just found this huge oh, box of them. And this that would 40. be beautiful. So this is, there's an article about that in the Athens messenger and you can read that online. Okay. I just thought that was a fun story. Is that recent or? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's, uh, went online yesterday. So I assume it was in yesterday or today's gift paper. That really is. Find oh my that. goodness. I can't even imagine. It's amazing. So off that note, I want to say that um, it's kind of like that for me, mm -hmm. except I'll be honest with you, the first couple chapters, I would like, I really hate reading the first few chapters because I want to go back in time and like smack myself, <laughs> you know? <laughs> hey, listen, and, and, and don't forget that this is not 
necessarily a true, true story, but it is based on a true story. So there are some true elements in it. Thinking about you writing the book, there's a lot of you in there. Of course, of course. Um, So that does have to be hard to read. To relive that over and over again. Yes, very much so. But there's some good parts in it, too. Like, I don't want to sit here and say it's all negative and it's it's all about the abuse. I mean, the first line does say it's a dark, modern fairy tale, which is very telling, too. So he was talking about the letters and stuff, and you were talking about, you know, old notes that you'd find. Yeah. Some of the letters in here, there is um, a, a few of very important letters our actual letters, almost word for word, they edited them a little bit on me, but almost word for word are letters that I wrote to someone very special. Uh-huh. So it's like in the ending is actually a thousand percent true. I have pictures. <laughs> so I can't tell you what that is, but you have to get to it. Yeah. You have to read the book to find out. Yes. But I think that, um, so what would you like for women or men um, to take out of the book? I think it's important for people to realize that you're not alone. People don't talk about it the way they should. You know, they, there's narcissistic abuse in here as well. And people just put a label on it or they say, oh, that's gaslighting. But saying those things and putting a nice label on it isn't experiencing it. It isn't the fullness of it. And you still feel alone. There are so many women out there who maybe they don't get out of the relationship and they lose their lives because that happens a lot. And even more, they end up committing suicide because there's so much backlash and there's no, there's very little help and support, especially in small towns like ours. Uh And The whole point, I mean, at first I was writing it just to kind of express myself and to cope, but about halfway through, I knew that it was way more important than that. Sure. And I wanted to share that if you can go through the healing process, if you can really push yourself hard, life is a whole lot more beautiful on the other side. Because once you go through the hard work of healing, you love deeper, like the sun is even brighter. And you have a different appreciation for life and for love. And it's more beautiful than you can imagine. That's why it's a fairy tale. Aha, I love this. So we start out in negative town, but we don't we don't maybe end up there. No. That's a good thing. But no, just to know um, that there is help out there and that you are not alone. I, I feel like, and women... I don't know what's wrong with us, but, you know, we just, I feel like we have to take, everyone says women are emotional and whatever, and we are, but a lot of times we carry it. We carry it with us pretty much forever. Yeah. Because, yeah, we know that we're allowed to feel and, you know, we feel all the time and we're very emotional all the time. And, but we still feel all these pressures from society Yep. because, you know, it's not like it used to be. You know, because with all this women empowerment and everything, we have a lot more responsibilities than we used to have. Sure. And and we're on the front lines a whole lot more. And so we have some of the same pressures that men do, but we still feel like we have to be perfect. We have to look perfect. We have to act perfect. We have to be strong, independent women. And, you know, sometimes we're not. 
but you know, you have to, it's really hard. Honestly, I'm not whining, but it's hard to be a woman because you still have the family unit. You're still responsible for all the stuff that women were responsible for. Yet the pressure is on to have a career now and to provide for the family and all these things, which we created ourselves, by the way, because we want, yeah. wanted to be treated equally. But now it's like, oh, you've got to do all this plus this. Well, I mean, I think that some people are still catching on to what equal means. Um, <laughs> That's probably very true. I mean, you either have the men in the household that are still not pulling their weight and expecting the woman to do twice as much, or you have the women that are, you know, thinking that it's cute and adorable to be sassy with their men and talk about having them whipped and trained and everything else and basically putting the man down. So this whole equality thing, yeah, like I mean, somewhere in the middle is where it, you know, yeah, all needs to be. There's definitely some struggling there. <laughs> hey, I'll say my husband washes the dishes and cooks way more than I do. So I, blessed, I can't but. really say that, <laughs> <laughs> but he stays busy and he, whenever I really need help, he definitely jumps in there. There so. you go. Yeah, we, um, well, it's just my, every time I handle a knife or the oven, I burn myself or cut myself. So he's just like moved to the side. <laughs> I don't want to have to deal with this later. <laughs> so it's like self-preservation on his part. Right, right. <laughs> we don't need to end up in the ER. But um, no, this is so cool that you have actually, you know, again, local girl does good. And I'm so proud of you. Thank you. Oh, one really cool thing. Yeah. Me and my publisher were talking, and we actually could have published this back in November, but we waited till January. Okay. Because um, we're just, we both feel and agree that it would be a good idea to have it submitted for Pulitzer consideration. <gasps> what? So it will be submitted. That is for that. so cool. I mean, it's a shot in the dark, but if the publisher thinks it's possible, you never know. That's amazing. I'm scared. <laughs> Don't be scared. Go for it, girlfriend. Right? You've overcome so much. Why not this? Exactly. So, um, how? So we went from you know publisher where you had to kind of uh, spearhead the thing to real publisher like you know like I like I mean they're all real publishers. Yeah, I don't but, want to ever diss anybody who writes a book and finds a way to get it out there because it's a lot of hard work regardless. It is. It is. Um, what would you call so publisher publisher? Um going traditional and having someone invest in you yeah. is a whole other thing. It's much much harder to accomplish that. Um, most people out there are self-published. There's okay. lots of self-published or um, vanity presses that people work with. To get a traditional publisher is very, very difficult. Okay. Um, the next step would be able to get an agent. But at this point, I'm not even sure that I need one because I'm kind of doing all that myself. Okay. So, um, again, it went through all of the phases that it went through with whenever within the gray was in process of being published, but it was a lot different because they're like, well, they were a lot better at it for one. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, because 
whenever I did my final read through on Within the Gray, I had like 200 things that I had them fix and there wasn't anything in Sheila's Men. Gotcha. So, so you learned a lot over the process of the first one to the second one. Yeah, I most definitely did. That's so cool. So what about like, so how does one like do, because James, can you put that back up again? Like, look at the artwork on this book. It's, it's very, um, it's very beautiful and it's very bold. So who comes up with that? Is that something that you have um, a hand in as well? I had some ideas. Okay. Um, and I told them my ideas and, um, that's actually the picture from, of the Point Pleasant Bridge is the green bridge. I thought so. It's. Shot from Two Indy Wee, the little battle monument park thing over cool. there in Point. Um, because that's actually where um, the opening scene starts. Oh. So, yeah, because she's climbing that bridge at Christmas and, and, like, she's intending to jump into the river, which is really sad. Yes. But it turns out, okay, so don't worry about it. <laughs> i mean if you can get through it the, the first part you're fine you'll be fine yeah um and then i wanted it was very important to me to have um the first line in the book is um hold on i gotta read the first line that way you can understand why there's a naked woman there <laughs> okay <laughs> okay <laughs> so the first line is nobody noticed me unless i was naked Men's faces flooded my mind as I approached the bridge for the last time. So. Wow, that's deep. Thank you. I mean, like, really. Thank wow. you. Um, so it was very important to me to have um, a normal-sized woman, not somebody that looked like a supermodel or anything like that, but just your average or plus-size curvy woman that people could relate to. Yes. And not being able to see her face is a huge plus, too. And nowhere in the book does it describe Sheila. And I do that because I want people to be able to relate to her. Well, because Sheila's me, or Sheila's my sister, or exactly. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. It's who you need to be able to picture whoever you want to. Because sure. sometimes whenever you describe someone... The more you describe them, sometimes there's a disconnect. Yes. And it's not exactly what you would imagine at first. Yeah. If you said, well, she was a blonde or whatever, then you've lost. Yeah. You've lost like 90%. Yeah. You know, everybody but the blondes. Yeah. Right. Okay. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I put a lot of thought into that. And like I debated over it for a while. And then like I went through and I made sure. And then I had the publisher make sure too. That's good. It's cool that you, um, and especially you have people to bounce things off of like that. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part, like I had like, um, I have like good days and then I have like low days with the book and everything because it is a lot of work right now. Whenever you're doing a book launch, it's like a tremendous amount of work and you've like waited and waited and planned. And then all of a sudden it hits and you're like, oh crap. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now I've got to follow through with all of this. <laughs> yes. I'm tired. I, I, I'll be really honest with you. I haven't slept. <laughs> no, literally. I stay well, up you all look night. real good for not, for not sleeping, girl. Thanks. Practice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's that eye cream. Yeah. <laughs> something like that. <laughs> so what are some of the responsibilities, you know, when you do publish a book, it was just released a few days ago. That's super exciting. Yes. But then you obviously need to 
promote the book to sell it, correct? Correct. I do. As you are here today, which is fantastic. Thank you. I'm really glad that you guys had me on here because, you know, I grew up here and I think that it's, it's really important to have, you know, my local community behind me because, you know, I love you guys and it's amazing that some, you don't hear very often someone from here doing anything very big. And, and that's okay because a lot of us don't really believe in ourselves. And I just had to challenge that as much as I could. But it's great to be here because I have been interviewing with podcasts um, all over the world. I have cool. been interviewing for about a week, two or three podcasts a day. Okay. And each of them lasts between one to three hours. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> That's a lot. Thanks. <laughs> no wonder she doesn't sleep. <laughs> Whoa. And she, then um, I don't have thinking, a regular. I'm really glad you don't make me do this for three hours. Yeah, right. <laughs> Thank you for not making me do this for three hours. No, I was on a live the other day out of St. Petersburg and it was like a live. I don't think it was Zoom. It was another podcast thing, but it's like it's the same basic thing. And I was on there for three hours and there was another one that. That that happened, and I would get them talking on stuff about stuff, so I could go run to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> like I gotta take a break, right? I mean, it was it was kind of rough. So I'm doing that, and I'm actually having a book launch that is happening in Galpolis on the 29th. Oh, it's going to exciting. be at Zach and Scotty's, and I'll if you get the book, I'll be able to sign it there. And I have like a nice little quill pen that I actually use. That's what I use whenever I did Within the Gray. Yeah. And so I'll use the same one. And there'll be, if you have already read the book, I'll do a Q&A session and we can talk and I can give you some resources, which I can help with a little bit with that now too, is if you want to reach out to some other organizations and stuff, I can help you with some information with that too. Okay. Um, or you guys can always find me on social media. I'm easy to find. You can Google me, author Jenna Ashland, or you can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. There you go. And James will uh, look up. I think I'm pretty sure I gave him that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we ha- we've shared the uh, Amazon links to your books on in the comments. Uh, they're both available as e-editions and paperbacks, right? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, so those links are in the comments. And if anybody wants to order it, then I'll share the links to your social media too. And um, actually, right now, the Kindle version of Sheila's Men is only $2.99. Hey, there you go. So like no risk. And you can do that on your phone. I have the Kindle app on my phone. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, many, many, many people have Kindles and, and, um, now, okay, this is a good question. How about, if I do say so myself, how do you get into the, um, audiobook part portion of, of that? I don't know yet. I figured that part out yet. <laughs> um, they told me whenever I did Within the Gray that if I wanted to do an audiobook, that I would have to, like pay for the production and have it recorded and everything myself. We haven't discussed it on Sheila's Men yet. So okay. I don't know. Cause I know that's a thing too, you know, like, um, but I don't know how popular they are versus just, I mean, I'm still the old school. Like I'm not a Kindle fan. Like, no, I want to pick that book up and read it. Right. And I want to fold over the pages and I want to like go back and read it again. I know. Having a physical book like is really nice. that tactile like feeling of. Yeah, I know. Me too. But you know, not everybody likes to read. 
And not everybody has space for like a bookcase. True. So there's that. That is true. I will give you that for sure. Yeah. Especially as people are downsizing. <laughs> yeah. And, and the generations that, that we live in now that everyone's just going smaller, I think. so. Yeah, that's very true. That's yeah. very, very true. But it still doesn't replace, you know, holding the actual book in your hand and, you know, seeing the cover. Yeah. And just being able to skip ahead easily. And <laughs> that too. I'm going to read that ending she was just talking about now. Yeah. Remember, Don't do if, that. if you read the ending and you get there... Message me on social media and I'll send you pictures. Okay. It's really, it's, it's very important. It's a very important because it's a hundred percent real. The ending has a hundred thousand percent real um, and was like important. Okay. I love that. Yeah. So you have to read the whole book first though. Don't cheat and go to the ending. It won't mean as much if you skip through because you won't catch it all because it's like, pieced together and built up aha so yeah you won't get it all if you skip ahead (laughs) you'll hear like the last sentence and you'll basically know what's going on but you're not going to get the full impact unless you like read the whole thing okay i'm sorry we'll remember that yes (laughs) so um if Obviously, you're here to promote your book, and we're so happy that you chose to spend your morning with us. So thank you. But if there's somebody out there that's like, you know what, if nothing else, I, I need this lady. This lady is on this show today to help me out. Yes. Um, what would you suggest that somebody do if they're feeling uh, lost or stuck or trapped in a relationship or something that um, they just don't know where to turn. You can contact me. Um, Another great resource, if you don't want to talk to me personally, if you need more immediate help, I would recommend contacting the Survivor Advocacy Outreach Program. I do believe they come all the way to Jackson. I know that they cover most of Southern Ohio up towards Central, so it's a pretty big area that they cover. They're actually, I did my classes in Athens, so there's a pretty widespread area that they cover, and I know that they have a lot of services available. Um, If you Google them, um, just search SAOP, um, and the actual address, Address, I believe, is www.saopseoh. So, Survivor Advocacy Outreach Program, Southeastern Ohio. Okay. Um, so, if you got that, I, I hope he got that over there. And he does. Our James is awesome. Okay. So, that was a great website to go to that'll tell you a little bit about their resources and get the phone number. Um, I'm not this month, but normally I do operate the crisis line. So, I'm one of the people that you would hear on the on the line sometimes. Really? Good for you. Yes. In your spare time, you do that. I normally do it <laughs> once a week, but not this month. <laughs> totally understandable. Yes. Three-hour podcast later. <laughs> I, yes. <laughs> I contacted the, the volunteer coordinator this month, and I told her, I was like, I'm not going to be able to do it this month because I'm going to be doing so much talking about domestic violence and and sexual assault on all of these podcasts that I feel that I'm better served and able to serve the people more, more doing these interviews. Because I think it's so important that more awareness and the reality of it and realizing that there's hope and that there is a much better future for you and to not give up that I am, you know, living proof that 
there's better things waiting. That's right. And that light isn't at the end of the tunnel. Right. For sure. Well, very good. Well, thank you um, for spending time with us this morning. This has been so much fun. I, it's fun to know the process, and but it's also fun to know about, you know, you and the books and how you got there as well. It's been the nice. Characters. Because I don't actually get to talk that much about the writing. <laughs> well, we love that. Because um, most of it has been like... More focus on the abuse, and I'm I'm really happy to talk about something else. <laughs> there you go. Understood. Understood. We're here for you, sister. Thank you. <laughs> no, come back anytime. Whether you know you want to talk about books or ideas that you have, or if you want to talk about advocacy or something of that nature too. And that, if you want to put that hat on, that that would be great too. Absolutely, we would love that. I'll come back anytime. Very good. Just hopefully I'll sleep next time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, go home and get some, some rest over the weekend if you can. Um, No. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to happen, but okay. <laughs> no, I have two more interviews scheduled today, but I do have, um, but not until five. So that's great. I, I actually rescheduled one because, you know, but I had two more interviews today. Um, One of them is... I'm, I'm, there's another one in Ohio today, and I think the other one is in the UK, but I'm not sure. I, I've had two or three in the UK, actually. Cool. And um, some of the podcasts have actually broadcasted and have followers all over the world. They said uh, 40 states and 43 countries. Wow. And I, like I said, been doing two or three a day for the past week. And um, I don't get a day off until next Friday. So lots of coffee. Definitely. <laughs> <laughs> well, best of luck to you on selling the book. If um, you all are interested within the gray and also Sheila's men, you can pick those up on Amazon or any of your bookstores or um, online as well. Yes, that's true. Very good. And you can also check the links that James has so aptly put uh, down below uh, our video today. All right. So, all right. Well, thank you for spending time with us, Jenna Ashland, once again. So uh, I think that you'll be hearing more from her as time goes on. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you for spending time with us. All right. Well, let's um, <laughs> head on over to this insanity, which we call the weather forecast. Um, do you have that up today, James? Okay. So here's the deal. Today, not so bad. Uh, partly cloudy skies, 39 degrees, lows of 21. Uh, on Saturday, highs of 32, lows of 19. And then, okay, so here's where the madness starts. So Sunday, we could either um, have some rain or sleet or snow, and it can be anywhere from 1 to 9 inches between Sunday and Monday. So depending on whatever weather forecast you listen to, and I'm not joking about that, like that's really a thing. So what needs to happen is um, uh, please just tune in. Don't go buy all the bread and, and milk. I, oh, my God. I go to Kroger yesterday. I'm just going to, I'm not trying to single them out. I just, I go to Kroger yesterday. Jamie says, buy some stuff to um, make some chili on Saturday. And I was like, oh, okay. Cause I have somewhere to be Saturday. He's like, I'll make some chili for the day, whatever. 
So I go to the tomato juice aisle, nothing. V8, nothing. Tomato juice, nothing. So I'm like asking the girl to check out. She's like, yeah, they bought it all. I'm like, why? Don't buy all the bread and milk and whatever at the grocery store. Like, even if it snows, who cares? <laughs> I don't get it. I just don't get it. But anyway. So if you want to make chili, good luck. <laughs> so, all right. Um, so, yeah, weather, do tune in. Um, probably Saturday, they'll have more of that short-term forecast, the more valid forecast, as right now we're just kind of predicting. So what's happening is there is a giant storm going across the U.S. Depends on whether it pops up north of us or dodges us and goes south. So that's where they're kind of like one to nine inches if it goes more north, we're going to get nailed. If not, not so much. So, um, But that will be Sunday into Monday for your Martin Luther King Day. Most of the kids are out of school anyway, so you know, a lot of people won't work on Monday anyway. All right, so we have something exciting too, James, um, to talk about at the end of the show here. So that's, ex that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, so yesterday there was a ribbon-cutting ceremony for the new Priority Mortgage Building on Main Street in Jackson. That's right, and that is right beside the spot on Main. And Terry's Pawn and Shop. And right in between, yeah, and Terry's Pawn Shop, and kind of where the Charmed Boutique mm -hmm. used to be. Right. And so that is a new mortgage uh, company in town. They were officially welcomed by the Jackson Chamber of Commerce and several other prominent members of the community yesterday. Uh, mortgage loan originator Jody Wilkett and owner Brad Ratliff cut the ceremonial ribbon on the business, which is at 294 East Main, which is also right across from our old radio building. Right. So uh, I think you do have a, a bit yeah, of a snippet a, of yeah, a video. We have a video of the ribbon cutting. Okay. Well, let's go to that. All right. Here we go. I want to welcome everyone. Uh, this is for the grand opening of Priority Mortgage. Um, Jody Wilkett is the manager, um, so we just want to thank you for becoming a member of the Chamber of Commerce. We look forward to promoting your business and working with you and want to welcome Priority to uh, Jackson. Um, so I want to introduce a few people that are here with us today. We have uh, Bryn Stepp here, who is a representative of uh, Lieutenant Governor Husted. We have the mayor, Randy Evans. Got it right this time. Thank you. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank, you. Yeah. Thank you. We have chamber board member uh, Robin Skaggs, Lee Jody, and then Brad, what was your last name, Brad? It's Bradliff. Brad Ratliff with Priority Mortgage as well. Um, Monica Miller with Priority. Monica, Monica. And we have um, Amanda Crabtree, she's a board member, and Karina Fultz, Trish, uh, Trisha Humphreys. We have commissioners Donnie Willis and John Hensler, and what is your Jeannie Rowley. Jeannie Rowley. Nice to have all of you. So, um, so I'd like to give the mayor, This at this time is when I usually let the mayor, he always has something to say. So I'd like to let the mayor have a few words. Uh, first of all, I just, uh, it's great to see a great crowd out. You know, grand openings or ribbon cuttings used to be a big thing in this city. And then it kind of died off and nothing would happen. Nothing would like this would take place to welcome people or new businesses. So I'm really glad to see it coming back. And I thank the chamber and you guys for that. Um, but on behalf of the city, I just want to welcome Priority Mortgage uh, and their 
and their owners, um, not only to the Jackson area, but to the downtown Jackson area. We're proud to have them. We're going to do everything we can to help them and wish them uh, the greatest, of, the best of luck to Thank their you. success. Thank you very much. You're welcome. So, Jody or Brad, would you like to say anything? Well, we just uh, really appreciate everybody taking the time to come out and welcome us to Jackson. Uh, and we're really excited to, to be here. And, uh, and we just thank you. So. All right, so what we're going to do, we'll start from three. We'll count backwards. We'll go three, two, one. Which way do you want me to cut it? Like straight? 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 Three. Okay. has uh, refreshments inside so you're welcome to, to go inside and have refreshments and thank you everyone for coming yes thank you very much how exciting and yet another local downtown business so thank you to priority mortgage for believing in the jackson area and um, for coming to our local downtown um, again if you need help or uh, want any uh, assistance with mortgages you can call jody wilkett she's the mortgage loan originator um, you can call her direct line at 614-410-9122 or visit PriorityMortgage.com. That's pretty easy to remember. All right. Well, we have to get out of here for the day. Again, special thanks to our guest, Jen Ashland, for coming in. If you'd like to pick up those books, don't forget, you can find them on Amazon or any of your local uh, bookstores um, that you like to frequent. So there you go. Or probably your local libraries. And if they don't have it, ask them for it and they'll get it for you. Have a wonderful weekend. Don't forget, do pay attention. Um, I'm not trying to be, you know, scary or anything. But we do have some snow in the forecast from Sunday over into Monday. So please pay attention to that uh, and find out how much we will get. And it will vary throughout our entire um total media and Main Street TV viewing area because it's going to vary depending on what uh, whether you're south or north um, of here. So, all right. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for watching. And we'll be back here on Monday unless the big one hits and we get snowed in. But I don't think that'll happen. So have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you back here on Monday. Bye-bye.